Welcome to the World Class Podcast. I'm Will, and in this episode, I'll be chatting to Kyle, an undergraduate student based in Malawi. Kyle is studying the BSc Computer Science program with a specialism in games development. Kyle discusses the games that have inspired him to take this degree and seek out a career in games development, and gives us his perspective on the multi-billion dollar gaming industry. We also talk about his experience with the degree so far and how he copes with the pressures of studying. Kyle also becomes the first student to take our How Well Do You Know Your University mini quiz. Enjoy! So Kyle, can you, can you tell us about yourself and um, what you were studying with the University of London? Yeah, of course. Um, hi, my name is Kyle. I'm 21. I, I, live in, I currently live in Malawi and I have taken a course in computer science with the University of London. Um, as to why I've chosen to do computer science, it, it, it all goes back to high school. I've, I've been great, great with IT uh, and computer science. I used, to, I used to get 100% and it made me very confident. <laughs> but um, obviously in high school, the time comes when you have to choose your subjects and what you're doing as a career path. And I, I had no idea what to choose. I, I was torn. I liked music. I liked PE. I didn't know what to take. Um, and I played a video game. I played a really, really good video game, um, called The Last of Us. And it wasn't, it wasn't the video game per se. It was a great video game. Still is my favorite video game. But, um, it was after I finished the game. I ended up searching on YouTube and I stumbled across a video of the behind the scenes, the, the making of The Last of Us. And, and it was, it was like a light bulb moment. It was sort of ding. This is, this is it. This is what I want to do. And, and since then, I've, I've wanted to take games development. Um, and, and I haven't looked back since. So that, that is the exact reason why I chose University of London. Because as I was typing, um, what universities can I take? I made sure games development was, was in, the, in the criteria, was in the Google search. Universities that do games development. And... and the most obvious one that came up was University of London. It kept coming up again and again and again. And it, it was on the list, definitely. But the other thing was, because this was during the COVID time, I couldn't, I couldn't travel to any, any country. So it was important that the university offered some sort of online distance learning scheme with computer science. And, and the only university I stumbled across that made it so easy and so convenient was the University of London. It was computer science, you can do a specialism in games development, and we offer it online. Here you go, here's everything. And it was the easiest choice. So I, I chose University of London from there, and I'm here now. Was it always your intention to study online or by distance learning? Or, or when you were growing up through high school, did you have this vision of actually going to an on-campus university? Uh, my vision was always an on-campus university. It, it was never online. I didn't. I couldn't even fathom the thought of doing something online. A degree it still is something that should be done in a sort of brick and mortar university in person. Um, so it was always. It was always do it in a university. But um, it's it's interesting to see what it's like online because my my concern was I wanted to start university. It was always I just wanted to, to do. The course. I, I don't care if I start online, um, but I just want to do the course. And and I think I will eventually transition 
to, to doing it because University, uh, University of London does offer a transition uh, that you can switch to on campus if you want to. So I, I've always wanted to do it on, uh, in person. It, it's, it's always better for me. It's always, even my parents, always, it's, it's so ingrained in me, the, the old school side that you go to a brick and mortar university. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess the opportunity wasn't there at the time, but like you say, you will you will have that opportunity in the future. Um, obviously, an online degree is very different. It can't really compare to the on-campus experience. Um, how how have you found that student experience with this degree so far? Is it is it more than you'd expected from an online degree, or do you find yourself interacting less with your with your colleagues and, and fellow students? I think I think it's definitely it's definitely a lot less than than you would expect. It's it's not on it's not in person. You're not going to have that level of communication. But um it's 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 more than I was expecting. I thought it would be an extremely isolated experience. I thought it was it would be just me and maybe a few lecturers and and a few videos. I didn't think there'd be any student interaction at all. But there's loads of it. There's loads of of in computer science, we have the, the Slack computer science for, for all the Slacks, uh, the computer science students in Slack. And they are so helpful. I think they have been more helpful than, than I've, I've been with any of the tutors or, or the lecturers. It's, I didn't expect to have that much support. I've, I've spoken to more students than I have tutors. You know, uh, I've, I've called students, is this, how, how are you doing this? Is this how it's working? I've, I've put my questions, go first to the students in the community. Um, it's, it's, it's great. I didn't actually think it would be that easy, but, but then again, it is online. It is a social exp uh, experience and everyone, everyone uses social platforms. So to, to be able to speak to someone who's doing the degree with you through that means is probably the easiest it could have been. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, so... I've never played The Last of Us. I've 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 heard of it. Um, it's a, it's a horror game, isn't it? I think I never I never got around to playing that one. But what? So tell us tell us more about your um your your love of games. Um, what what were you a gamer as a when you were younger? How did you get into it? I was always a gamer. Yeah. Um, I have an older sister who who got a PlayStation One. So when when I was very young, I started playing PlayStation off her PlayStation, and I just grew up with PlayStation. Um, the love for games didn't come. It honestly didn't come until I played The Last of Us, simply because it was it was the first experience where it was like, whoa, this this is you can have this in a video game. I didn't know video games could do this. I thought video games was about high scores and and you know beating your friends and playing multiplayer. I didn't know that there could be this this really strong story uh, behind The Last of Us, and and you can have that in games. It's 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 an experience that you could honestly not have if you had watched it or if there was a book about it. It's a unique experience that was that was entailed in the game. And yeah, you're right. The Last of Us is 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 about a it's a horror game. It's ironically it's about a an outbreak. It's uh an, there's an infection and it it plagues the world. Um, you you play the entirety of the game taking this young girl who is immune across the city to to people who are more familiar with this to, to hopefully find a cure um it's it's the experience it sounds so plain and it's such a simple story 
but in playing it and you being a part of the choices and affecting what happens in the game, it gives it that extra that extra something that that movies and books just can't do. So by the end of the game, you are faced it's not a choice, it's a forced choice. You have to make the choice, but it comes down to do I want to save the world or do I want to save this this little girl that I've I've grown to love over the course of this journey across the city. Uh and spoilers, <laughs> he he chooses the girl, which which might be conflicting. Uh, he chose to save one life instead of millions, but I was with him in that choice, and it was it was such a grounding, amazing experience that I wanted to. I knew from there I want to make games that can invoke that same experience. That's that's brilliant, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I I'm trying to think of a game that I've played that's comparable. I mean, I'm a fair bit older than you, but I I had a PlayStation One, and I played um, Resident Evil Two. I think was the first sort of game. With, that had a that had a story that you got you got fully emotionally invested in, um, and it was just it, you're you're right. So much more than the movie, so much more than the book. You're literally that game was was terrifying. You know, I don't think I'd experienced anything like it before that. Even though looking looking at it now, it's it's probably pretty basic. I think it was a a sort of a not two D, but it was you, you know it wasn't first person or third person. You were kind of like running through corridors from from different angles. But it, there was the sound design and the lighting. Um, and all that stuff that you traditionally associate with films, they, they began to incorporate into games. And and with a film, maybe you've got 90 minutes, two hours, and then it's done. But, you know, with some of these games, you're putting in 10 plus hours in order to complete the, the story. Res- I've played Resident Evil 2. Uh, it's a great game. Very great game. And and you're right. You're right. You, in in games, you get 10, 20 plus hours to 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 experience the story. So you have more flexibility as, as a creator to, to tell a more diverse, a more complex story. Um, it is great. It is great. It invokes, I've played so many games that invokes, you know, sadness, fear, happiness. And I've honestly never experienced that um, outside, outside of video games. The, they made a sequel to The Last of Us and I was in tears at the end of the game. Um, <laughs> After finishing Last of Us Two, crying just because of, of of the story, it was it was great. We've touched on how games have developed over the years. Um, my my son just got um, an Oculus Quest, which he, he absolutely loves. But so he's he's into that now, even more immersive VR side of things. Where where do you see the industry going in the next five or ten years? Oh gosh, good question. That's a very good question. I that's a very good question. I think I don't think it's going anywhere. I think this sort of this sort of happened about in the Fortnite era. It happened as well. It was a similar conversation going around because up until sort of Fortnite exploded, a lot of the games were simply just single player single experiences. Then Fortnite blew up and hang on, we can play multiplayer massively. We can we can have all these games where it doesn't need to have a story. We can just play in some sort of lobby and and have some sort of fun experience. With, with loads of different people across the world. And that, and that same question was asked, does that mean that single player games are not gonna, we're not gonna have single player games, we're transitioning to multiplayer games. And fast forward to now, we still have single player games and single player games are still great. They're still thriving. Multiplayer games are still thriving as well. I think with VR and with everything else that's being developed, I don't think it will 
change the gaming experience. I think it'll only add to it. I think deeper down the line, we will be able to play the game of our choice. We can play a single player game and we can choose to play that in a more immersive VR experience or we can choose to play it with a controller in front of a TV. But I, I don't think that's going to change. I think, I think the experience will be unbelievable. I think playing a VR, if it, I'm just thinking playing a game, a story game, a very scary Resident Evil type of game in VR with extreme detail would be unbelievable. But um, I don't think that'll take away from traditional games. I think the only thing that's happening with games is we're just getting better. I, I don't think we'll lose anything. Yes, yeah, I mean, it's interesting you touch on um, Fortnite and those kind of Battle Royale games. I mean, um, again, my, my boys were big into Fortnite well, probably two years ago. And then when we went into lockdown, that was their life, you know, lifeline, but their, their own their way of communicating with their friends. And they spent so much time playing it, probably too much time for from a parent's point of view. But they there was not much else they could do. And at least, I mean, it used to be that, you know, video games are destroying kids, they destroy their brains. You know, it was TV back in the 50s and 60s, and, and now it's computer games. But it was they were socializing you know it's it's a social experience you know you're no, you're no longer sort of locked away in a darkened room well you do have that option too if you want to if you want to play a single player game but if you do want to socialize you can you can go on and play a game like Fortnite or they they play FIFA as well and um F1 now all all, all these games that have introduced this the, the massive online multiplayer um aspect have really from from my perspective growing up playing games how I did it's, it's it's a completely different thing. I mean, it's difficult to even call it gaming, just gaming. You know, it's it's a, it's a social experience. It is. I mean, I mean, if you if you take gaming out of it, if you were to meet someone in person and have an experience with them, you know, you 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 do things. I don't think you just sit with someone. You'd want to go and play a game. You'd want to go bowling. You'd want to go to the movies. You'd want to have an experience. And that's exactly what games are. You have an experience. It's just that now we can have that experience without having to be in person with them. Um, but it, it is, it is, I th it's definitely the future. It's definitely how things are going. And it's, it's, it's normal. It's perfectly normal in this day and age to, to just play a video game with either a friend or a complete stranger, but just to enjoy the experience with them. We, we can do that now without having to physically meet them. And what, and what do you make of things like, um, the metaverse? I know it's not necessarily gaming, but it's, it's related is that something that you know? I, I, I've not. I've never really got on with VR, to be honest. We had a VR headset for the PS4, and it just made me feel ill. Um, I haven't really been on my son's Oculus because I'm <laughs> worried I'm going to get that travel sickness. But, but he he doesn't seem to have any problems with it. He loves it. But I I don't think I'm ready for a world where everyone's sort of plugged into this metaverse, you know, like Ready Player One <laughs> kind of thing. Is that a dystopian future or is that something that you think we, we will get more and more into? I mean, again, we've, this, is a, this is a debate that's happened before with artificial intelligence. It might be something that is still being debated now. Like, what's the level of artificial intelligence we should have before it gets to an uncomfortable, unreasonable stage? I think for right now, it's just because there is unknowns. We don't know how far VR will be taken which is why it can be unnerving as to where it's going. So when you hear things like the metaverse and, and all of us being in this virtual world, it, it, it might sound jarring, but 
I don't think the unknown should be scary. I think it should be challenging. And I think we should be doing things like this to experience and see if it's if it's worth it. And and who knows? I mean, it might be it might be something that that actually benefits us. I know artificial intelligence has its benefits. Um, it has its benefits in video games as well. If we if we didn't delve into how can we improve artificial intelligence, we wouldn't have um, the, the very useful features we have from artificial intelligence. I mean, machine learning came through. We wouldn't have had machine learning if, if we didn't delve into these things. Um, it's It's unknown, but I have good hope that it will be fine because everything that was once unknown has has benefited us. It it will lead to something that's beneficial. Absolutely. I think there's there's so much AI all around us without us realizing a lot of the time, you know, in in our phones and whatnot. And I use um as an example, I use Photoshop quite a bit and Lightroom and um, you know, the Adobe software for the, for like some of the work I do for the university. And you've you've got things going on in those programs that it just seem impossible 20 years ago like um content aware fill and um you know the computer analyzing your photograph and putting on the best settings which it, it thinks would be most appealing to the human eye it's just it's stuff that it, you just don't you just don't even consider and it's it's absolutely incredible the the benefits that that it's bringing um yeah it'd be a bit ignorant to, to think of a sort of um dystopian ai world what well, you know like terminator <laughs> or the matrix where where the world's just been run by robots <laughs> well well computers can't make they can't think computers don't have consciousness so so it's not gonna happen if if, if there's any of you out there hoping that that happens it'll 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 never happen um okay brilliant so um i'd love to get into a couple of the specifics of the course um i know a bit about the computer science degrees but when so you you follow for those people who don't know the computer there are several different degrees with under that computer science element so you can you can do virtual reality you can do games development you can do machine learning you can do the internet of things what it what are you kind of what do you cover specifically in the games development degree um that will help you in the future well as as of right now, specialisms only kick in in your final year, and I'm not in my final year yet. Uh, the first two years are fundamental for everyone. So the first two years, you learn basics that span for, for everyone. Computer science is still computer science, so you learn what you need to learn. And then in the final year, it sort of kicks in for what different specialisms entail and what you would have to learn for different specialisms. So do you know at this stage what it is you're going to be learning what 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 do they teach you do they teach you um game engines or is it about you know the user experience that kind of or is, or is all that kind of thing covered it, it it's all covered it's all covered um you have to learn how to make a good game it, it seems it might seem simple on the outskirts on on like oh it's probably easy to make a game but there's so much behind video games and and the psychology of video games and how, for, for like for example, if, if you play a single player game, the from the programming side and from the art side, you've got to tell the player what to do without actually telling them what to do. It's you don't want a text box coming up on the screen saying, "Oh, you should probably go here." You want to sort of lure them into the right path, make it feel to, to get that experience, make it feel like they are making the choices. When in reality, you've just 
paved the road. He just gave them a guided hand to say, you should probably go down here with, with the lighting or, or what I know what they do is they have birds in an area or an animal in an area and they'll run to the area you're supposed to go to. It's small things like that that add to how you make a video game. You need to know level design, you need to know how to build a level, you need to know project management, you need to know the psychology. Is, is it worth making this type of game? And, and how can you help the player play or experience the game in the way you want them to experience it? So so modern games now have, have you know, millions and millions of dollars of budget, you know, sometimes bigger budgets than films do. And they're made by companies with with hundreds of employees um so it's not it's not a case anymore where you could just sit and create a game on your own necessarily a, a big game i mean maybe maybe a, a, an app or something but a big mainstream game you'd have to be part of a bigger system so what is that is that what you would like to do after your degree are you hoping to be gain employment with a a, a, a gaming house i, I mean yeah it, you can't make you can't in the, you just can't make a game by yourself. There's very rare, so rare that they're outliers and shouldn't even really be considered. There's very rare experiences where one person made a game that was extremely successful. Now it's, it's all about teams, sometimes teams of 100, sometimes teams of 200, all making a massively, massively big franchise or a game um, that we all play. We, we, it's, it's not cheap. It's about $60, $70 a game, but that's that's why you have such big teams a part of that. And yes, I do. I do. I would love to be a part of a team, uh, a big team that makes one of these big, massive uh, games that you can play. And I don't think it'll surprise anyone that the team I would like to be a part of is the team that made The Last of Us. Uh, the one game that sort of sparked my interest. I, I would love to work for them. Um, they're Naughty Dog. They've I've ever since playing Last of Us, I've played their back catalog of games and I've loved every single one of them. I, I love my approach to games development is, is how Naughty Dog are approaching games development. I want to tell the stories the way Naughty Dog are telling the stories. So I would, I would love, it would be a dream come true and it will come true at some point um, to work for them and, and, and make a game, which, which hopefully your son will end up playing. <laughs> that would be brilliant. As long as it's age appropriate, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so, so how are you going to realize that plan? How, what, how? Um, I mean, obviously, the world's changed. Um, we people can work remotely. You could, you could theoretically work in a different country to where your employer is based. What, what, what's your? Is that something you you could see yourself doing in the future? Working remotely on um, a game, or do you want to? move to the US or the UK and, and, and work physically with the team? If you asked me this question six months ago, I would probably say I would want to move to the US or to a specific country to work with the team. But I, I honestly wouldn't mind working from home. I think, I think I can work from home. And about the, what are you doing? There is a, if, you, if there is anyone listening who wants to be a game developer, a game developer in particular, you've probably come across the question of what's more important, a degree or building up your portfolio. Um, and and you, you'll get conflicting answers. You'll see some, some that say a portfolio is the most important or a degree is the most important. Um, so, so for me, that, that question was, was never answered. 
I, I didn't know which one was most important. I didn't have the accessibility to ask people in the industry, like, which is more important. But the, I get to do both. That's the thing. If you choose to do a degree, you are building your portfolio. If you choose the game specialism, you are making programs and games that will be added to your portfolio. So it's tackling... For me to be able to become a game developer, it's tackling both sides. I want to do everything it takes from both ends. I want to have the knowledge and the degree and the, and the stability of having a degree, but I also want to have a portfolio of, here, look, here's some of the games I've made. Not only do I know how to do it, here are actual games and things that you can play um, that, can, that, that can showcase what I can do. So... Because I'm at the start, I'm at the very, very beginning of my journey. I've just been focusing on my degree and getting and getting good grades and and building a portfolio and and making video games. But but definitely, as as I branch out, as as I I grow and and I have a bigger portfolio, I'm definitely going to speak to to any company and say, "Hey, I made a few games. Can is it possible if I can work?" Even if it's if it's if it's meeting you or if we can do it online, definitely to build up the experience. But um, you you need both, so you need the knowledge and you need a portfolio. So do both. Do you consider game development to be more of a science or more of an art? I mean, you you mentioned um, to me that you 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 know taught yourself graphic design. Um, do you, do you consider yourself to be more of an artistic kind of person? Game development is more of an art. It's more of it, I, I consider myself as as more of an artistic person, as more of more of a creative. Um, maybe it's because of the games that I like, but the way I would approach game development is is more of an it's an art sense, right? A story, and 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 books and movies and all these things they're not sciences; they are art. And, and if you make a video game with a narrative experience, with a story that's very similar to what you see in movies or in books, it becomes an art. Um, and and working, working in games, I feel you need to have that artistic side. I think the best games are the sides, uh, are the games that have a creative side. They, they do something you weren't expecting. And that comes from creativity. That comes from, from designing something different, from... Oh, what, what if we could do this? What if we could do that? There is definitely a science part, but the science part only sort of supplements the artistic vision. You need to have that creativity. And then the science just makes that creativity possible. All of our degrees, all of our degrees are um, online uh, and they are challenging. You know, as we touched upon earlier, it's, it's a completely different experience to studying on campus. To complete one of our degrees in you know, three or four years, you're going to need to de dedicate quite a lot of your life to study. How have you found the, the balance of studying, working on your games portfolio, any other commitments you have? How have you managed to fit it all in? The balance is challenging. I've, I've heard of this question asked time and time again, and more often it's, I don't know, I, I, I struggle to find the time to do my work. And for me, I don't, I struggle on the other side. I struggle to find times with levity, times of, of downtime, times to spend with my family, times to spend enjoying myself. The balance is hard, but I think the, the only way to get the balance right is to, is, to, is to timetable it, is to build it into small steps, which is exactly how 
the university lays it out for you when you're doing your course. It's it's to to build it not in a day, but to to say, okay, in a week, I'm going to get this much work done. And you you leave it as flexible as possible. You you don't want to say, okay, on Monday I have to get this piece of work done. On Tuesday I got to get this done. You want to leave it flexible, leave it tangible, leave it over the course of a week, and and leave it so. If you get the bare minimum done, you've got enough done. But the flexibility is is what helps balancing your time because sometimes you might want to do something else and, and you might want to spend time with your family. You might want to spend time building a portfolio. The flexibility allows that. So you want to you wanna plan small manageable tasks over a sustained time, like about a week, and, and accomplish the bare minimum and then up to you, it's, it then becomes up to you whether you can then spend time with your family or build a portfolio or extend yourself even further. The, the trouble is if you build a timetable and it's, it's too specific, it, the timetable becomes your enemy, right? And that's when people are like, I, I'm trying to balance my time and it's, it's not quite working because I didn't do this. So I've got to shift it. I've got to move it to, to a certain day. But on that day, I've got to shift that. If you leave it flexible and loose, you've got time everywhere and and that's how i've gone about balancing my time it's it's okay in the morning i've i've got this amount of work done which is great but now i kind of want to work on my portfolio i can do it and at the end of the week you overlook what you've done and you just got to make sure that by that week you've done the work that was needed and have you ever have you ever reached the point where you found it overwhelming um you know not necessarily relating the two but some, a subject we we touch upon in the podcast quite often and a subject that's important to us as a, a student experience team is um mental health and well-being do you ever find your your mental health suffering as a as a result of trying to get this balance right if you if you fall behind for me when i've fallen behind that's affected my mental health um it's affected me in in ways where you sort of feel hindered you you sort of can't do work even if you sat down at a desk and tried to do it because you're behind or because of 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 any sort of well-being issues you just physically you, you can't do it. But um, I do get overwhelmed sometimes, but it, it's all about knowing what helps you and, and what to do in that time. If, if ever you're feeling overwhelmed, the easiest thing is, is to just stop. Stop in that moment. Stop whatever it is you're doing and, and, and take a deep breath. Take, take a day off. Take two days off. Take as many days off as, as you need to, to to get it in order. And, and I've made sure in... The, from my first semester, after struggling, being overwhelmed, I've made sure to, to learn how to handle your time, to, to mitigate the amount of times you get overwhelmed and stressed. And, I, and I've taken courses on, on how you can help not only yourself, but other people. And the general consensus is if you have a coping mechanism, if you have something that, you, that does help ease the stress, that takes priority. So, so for me, a coping mechanism would be something completely different from what's overwhelming you, uh, but something that's rewarding. And which is why loads of people will say, oh, exercise is very helpful because you probably don't do exercise on your daily thing and it's extremely rewarding. Um, so for if you ever get overwhelmed, at least for me, do something that is not related in any way to what you're doing uh, and make it a rewarding experience. Get Get something out of it. And that helps you sort of, calm you down, bring you back to reality and get you back ready to, to, to work on what you need to work on. Bearing all, all that in mind, um, 
what advice would you have for someone who is interested in a computer science degree or even studying with the university at a distance? What would your advice to, to new or prospective students be? I think if you are taking a degree in computer science, the best advice I can give you is, is not to worry about imposter syndrome. Uh, and if you don't know what imposter syndrome is, it's it's feeling like a fraud or someone who is not supposed to be there in their field of work. It is common in computer science. We all feel it. Computer science is a very boasty sort of degree of, look what I was able to do. Look what I was able to code. And even the Slack community, as amazing as it is, can fall into that trap where it's just you're you're happy to share your work, but other people might be behind on work and you're looking at the work. And you're like, I will never be able to do this. But don't let imposter syndrome get you. Everyone feels it. We're all on our, our paths, right? We, we will all get a degree at the end. It's just, it differs on how we will get there. So, so stay on yours. The only person you need to beat is yourself. Don't let imposter syndrome and seeing other people being successful or, or posting something that you might feel, I couldn't do that, uh, get to you. Don't let that stop you. You can do very well regardless. And I think if you are going to be a student in any other program, the just general advice is to just love what it is you're doing. It is a chore. Deadlines, submissions, tests, you know, meeting all these requirements and getting all the readings done. It's a chore. It, it takes time. But if you're passionate about what it is you're doing, it never feels like a chore. It's, it's always, okay, well, it's done. I can, I can do the next one. So staying passionate and being passionate about the program is is for me what will guide you through what you would think would be the hardest. So pick something you're passionate about and you will never go wrong. That's great. Thank you. Really good. Um, so other than, than games that you're, you're heavily into, what, what else do you do to unwind? You touched on exercise there. Is, is there anything else that interests you? I mean, for me, my sort of unwinding is is if it's not reading or watching a story, it's, it's either doing, I love running, so it would be running or, or listening to music. That, that is my sort of cool down. It's, it's, it's staying away from video games, staying away from creating, experience something, experience a story, run. Physical activity is great. I, I can't recommend it enough. And I'm, I'm deeply into music. I'm heavily into music, so I would I would listen to all different types of music while running or or doing something, and and that sort of centers me. But um, I mean, I would be lying if I said I didn't speak to friends and family, and I and I didn't I didn't go out and see them, and and sort of just speak to them about other things that aren't related in any way. Um, so spending time with loved ones is a good one. I I. <laughs> I, I should spend more time with my loved ones, but for me, it's it's running and it's it's music. Music is is my downtime. So one day, I'm I'm thinking I'm going to make a a podcast playlist and put it on Spotify. So what what are your songs that inspire you? I mean, in the past we've had Oasis, we've had the Cranberries. Um, what what's your go to music? Ooh, uh, t t ooh, I, I like really upbeat music, but I, I wouldn't be lying if I said Imagine, Imagine Dragons and Coldplay is what I've been listening to. It, I, it's just, there is something about listening to songs that are just, you know, full of energy, that gives me the energy. So I would say anything by Coldplay. 
yeah no i agree it's like it's not it's not always the coolest choice but um but it's it's so uplifting you know it is it is i went to see coldplay at wembley yeah i've admitted it cool coldplay is good <laughs> they were good and they were supported by jay-z which was incredible so it was um it was a good day everyone should listen to more coldplay <laughs> <laughs> that's the quote that's the quote i'm going to put on the podcast thank you great <laughs> <laughs> um the academic area aside from your degree, how do you think the experience so far has benefited you? If you haven't noticed by my amazing demeanor, I'm quite an introverted person. I'm quite, I'm not really a people person. People just speaking to people or having experience with people. It, it's, it's, it's never been something, I would much rather prefer to sit alone and, and do something by myself. So doing a degree that is so team oriented, so experience orientated when you get stuck you have to ask for help and and you only get that help from people if you ask them you have to build projects with people um the benefit from computer science outside of sort of knowledge and is definitely you know talking to people and and getting better being with people and speaking to people and interacting because because you have to you have to make games or or whatever program it is you want to make together so you have to get good at teamwork and, and people skills. And that that's improved my sort of communication with, with people. I, I feel more comfortable to speak to people. I feel more comfortable to work with people. Uh, I feel more comfortable to get on, on calls and, and put my camera on and speak to people and, and show myself. Uh, whereas if, if I never did computer science, I would be very sort of muted, camera off. Sorry, I'll just type instead. <laughs> so it, it's helped with, with, with people skills. Yeah, that's good. I think the the danger of the the current times we're living is it, it's easy to get used to a life where you don't where you interact less with people in in person, um, and you can kind of find ways to keep yourself away from people if you want to. But you've kind of had the opposite experience. You've you've used the online experience in a way to develop your social skills rather than go the other way. Yeah, yeah, and and I I wouldn't trade it for anything. I think I think. Like I said before, I probably would have been happy to just sit by myself, but I'm, I feel like I'm turning into more of a person who would be very open to, to speaking to people and, and taking it off offline and, and doing it in person. I was kind of thinking of starting like a quiz, like a league table. So every time I interview someone, I'll ask them some questions about the university, like how well do you know your university kind of thing um, and have sort of, yeah, have that going on. But I didn't really get around to, I, I could come up with three questions that I thought anyone would be able to answer. I <laughs> mean, hold on. Let me see if you can uh, answer these questions. One sec. Okay, so do you, right, the question one was going to be: Do you know when the University of London was founded? No. Can I? Can I guess though? Yeah, go for it. Uh, seventeen sixty. You're about hundred years out. It, it was. Uh, it was um, eighteen fifty eight when we started doing the distance learning and it was i was eight, i was so 18 i was sure 58 was somewhere <laughs> yeah you weren't too far <laughs> off just 100 years or so um so just 100 years <laughs> big. right and the next question was going to be without looking can you say what are the three main colors in the university of london logo blue red and white yeah well done and then yes Woo! do you <laughs> this was the last one i got around to writing who is the current Chancellor of the University of London? 
I, I would be lying if I said I knew. I, I couldn't even give you a guess. It's it's a member of the royal family. It's it's Princess Anne. Is it actually? Yeah, it's it's been a royal for <laughs> I don't know, must be forty or fifty years. Um, but also, you know, yeah. be, being a Coldplay fan, did you know that Chris Martin was a University of London student? No well, way. So he went. No way. You know how the university works. You know how we, if if you come to London to study, you study at one of our member institutions, and they're they're pretty yep, much yep. like universities in their own right. So I I actually when I was a student, I went to King's College London, but I I didn't even know I was going to the University of London until I graduated and I got my degree, and it said University of London. I was like, oh okay. University of but London. um, so Chris Martin went to UCL University College London. And that's under the University of London. He's so he's a University oh, of London alumnus. That is so cool. <laughs> Dude, I mean, would you know what he went to study? I, I could find out. I bet it's on Wikipedia. Hold on. That is that is so cool. That is so cool. Why why they should put that on the like the front page of the website. <laughs> <laughs> Chris did, Martin. We did <laughs> used to have a university. <laughs> we did used to have a page <laughs> with um Alumni on it. That is so uh, cool. So Martin continued. I've got the biggest smile. He continued his studies at University College London, staying at Ramsey Hall, where he read ancient world studies and graduated with first class honours in Greek and Latin. Wow. At, at UCL, Martin met his future Coldplay bandmates Johnny Buckland, Guy Berryman, and Will Champion. No way. Yeah, no there you go. Way. They are a product of the University <laughs> no of London. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, I think on that. I'm going to tell my I'm going to tell my parents that. I think they'll be very they'll yeah. be very like, "Oh, that's so cool." <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode and thank you very much to Kyle for giving us his time and sharing his inspiring thoughts. Thanks also go to Kyle for producing the incredible artwork for this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the BSc computer science degree and the various specialisms available, please visit our website www.london.ac.uk and type computer science in the course search on the homepage.